Section two of Across the Plains in eighteen forty four by Catherine Sager Pringle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For a week or two, the house at Wailapu was full of company. Having no help, Mrs. Whitman was too much engaged in household affairs to pay any attention to us. Very lonely did that large house seem to me during that time. Being a cripple, I was not able to join the other children in their pastimes, and they were too busy enjoying themselves to attend to me. Seated by the cradle, I plied my needle at simple sewing. I saw my brothers only at mealtime. Mrs. Whitman came occasionally to bring the baby her milk. I thought I could never be happy where everything was so strange, and shed many tears in solitude. I became so timid as to cry if addressed by the doctor or anyone. School commenced soon after our arrival, and most of the children attended. In course of time the company left the home, help was hired to do the housework, and Mrs. Whitman, having more time to herself, paid more to us. Gathering us around her in the evening, she amused us with anecdotes, distributing pieces of calico and showing us how to make patchwork and rag dolls conversing with us in a kind and familiar way on one of these occasions she gave each of us a string of beads to wear with the understanding that any one who had to be reproved for doing wrong must return the beads to her we had long been without restraint so that we had become quite unruly and difficult to manage they were strict disciplinarians and held the reins with steady hands any deviation from the rules met with instant and severe chastisement every effort to merit their approval was rewarded with smiles while we were held under strict subjection every effort was made to render us comfortable and happy and to win our love and confidence mrs whitman was particularly adapted to raising children having the art of uniting instruction and pleasure she was a fine singer i have never known any one who excelled her in this respect she soon commenced teaching us vocal music refined and accomplished herself she exercised over our rude natures that influence that refines and beautifies a home we soon formed a warm attachment for her and fell into the practice of calling her and dr whitman mother and father as the other children did and continued it while they lived they were careful to have us remember our parents and would speak of them with affection and respect when necessary to administer punishment she would set our fault before us and her own responsibility and show that all was done for our own good and would ask what we thought our parents would wish her to do dr whitman's family before we came consisted of himself and wife perrin p whitman his nephew who came out with him in eighteen forty three when fourteen years old marianne bridger nine years old helen mar meek seven years old who had been raised from infancy by mrs whitman and david m cortez seven years old 
This boy's father was a Spaniard, his mother a Walla Walla Indian. Becoming tired of the infant, she cast it into a hole to perish. His grandmother rescued him and took him to Mrs. Whitman, naked except a small piece of skin tied over his shoulders. We were in the schoolroom from Monday morning until Saturday noon. The afternoon was a holiday. If the weather was pleasant, the preparations for the Sabbath being completed, Mrs. Whitman took us out for a ramble over the hills. In inclement weather we were provided amusement in the house. The doctor believed in young folks having plenty of exercise. The Sabbath was always strictly observed, yet made so pleasant that we hailed its dawn with delight. Every preparation was made the day before, and perfect stillness pervaded the house Sabbath morning. In the winter season a Bible class met on Saturday night. All the family attended, and no effort was spared to make it interesting. A subject was given us to prove from the Bible, and Mrs. Whitman saw that each child had a proof to bring in. They were commented on, a chapter was read, each one reading a verse and giving their thoughts on it. These exercises closed by singing some Bible hymn. Sabbath morning we were reminded of the day and all kept still. Each sat with a book, and those too small to read were handed pictures. After breakfast we prepared for Sunday school that met at eleven o'clock, while the doctor held his service with the natives. Each got seven verses, one being learned every morning during the week. This was an interesting hour spent together, especially when the doctor could spend some moments with us. At 3 p.m. we met for the regular afternoon service, when Dr. Whitman read a sermon. He was not a preacher, but a physician. We had to find the text after the service was over and repeat it to him. The evening was spent in reading, reciting the commandments, etc. One evening in the week, Mrs. Whitman would collect the young around her, holding a prayer meeting with them and conversing on religious subjects. The first Monday night in each month, a meeting was held in behalf of the missions, and Monday after New Year's was observed as a fast day. The housework was hired done in winter, so the children could follow their studies without hindrance. Mrs. Whitman and the girls did the work in the summer. Each of us had her allotted task and was expected to promptly do her duty. At eleven we bathed in the river. Dinner was served at twelve. When the work was done we all sat in a large room at our sewing, save one of us who read aloud to the rest. Supper was at five o'clock, and after that was over, time until retiring for the night was devoted to recreation. In the spring the evenings were spent in the garden putting in seeds. Otherwise we did as we pleased. Sometimes the boys would bring horses for us to ride. At times we would go with the doctor to visit the lodges where Indians were sick. Mrs. Whitman was always with us in all these occupations, adding to our enjoyment. She was very fond of flowers, and we assisted in taking care of her flower garden each season. Our time flowed on in one uninterrupted stream of pleasure. 
we were kept constantly gaining knowledge and from morning until night our adopted parents labored to promote our happiness the family was larger in the winter from twenty to twenty-five including children sat around the table at meals besides the adopted children there were others who came to attend the mission school summers the doctor was gone most of the time so there was only mrs whitman and the children mr spaulding's daughter attended school with us she came on horseback in charge of an indian woman one hundred twenty miles the manner of living was simple in winter we had beef and in summer mutton and fish pork seldom came on the table dr whitman ignored fine flour and wheat flour and cornmeal were used unbolted tea and coffee came to the table only on rare occasions this was a matter of economy as delicacies were not easy to get in the country at that time there was an abundance of wild fruit to be purchased of the natives a good garden supplied plenty of vegetables cake and pastry only were seen on holidays milk butter and cheese were in full supply and thus you have our mode of living at wailatu some may ask how the washing for so large a family was managed as early as four o'clock all hands were mustered for work in the kitchen mrs whitman at the head tubs and barrels were put in use and all the implements needed were at hand the boys with long aprons tied around them brought the water and did the pounding while the women rubbed the clothes jokes were current and all were in good humor by school time nine o'clock the clothes were on the line it fell to the lot of myself and brother to get breakfast on wash days owing to the location and the evaporation in the spring of alkali ponds nearby wailatpu was not healthy the mill pond was nearby and we were more or less troubled with chills and fever in warm weather i was very subject to it and suffered every summer of my stay there being often unable to labor as the eldest daughter i had supervision of the other girls and from being confined to the house so much i became the constant companion of mrs whitman an attachment near to that of mother and daughter existed between us from this constant association to me she told all her plans for the pleasure or improvement of the children as well as her fears and troubles concerning them when the doctor was long absent i sat with her and read or conversed and was her bedfellow she said often she could not get along without me the spring after we arrived brother francis resolved to run away to the lower country with those who had wintered there his reason was he disliked the strict discipline maintained the doctor was away and when francis started to go mrs whitman urged him pleasantly to stay but he went on the run mounted his horse and was off before the wagons moved which he was to accompany she had not succeeded in winning the boy's confidence and affection and francis was stubborn efforts were made to overtake him and get him to come back but they were unavailing he went to the willamette and remained there 
on his return dr whitman talked with john and found he was willing to remain he then made a proposal to aid the boys to get a start in cattle and horses so that they would be acquiring property this was made known to francis by a letter and a horse sent for him so that in the fall we had the pleasure of again becoming a united family in the spring of eighteen forty five the cayuses were embroiled in war with the snakes a cayuse family named prince was going to the buffalo country to hunt and on the way camped on a small stream in the snake region opposite a camp of snake indians one morning prince with his servant rode over to see the other camp his horse stood all day tied at the snake lodge but the mother did not go to learn about him because her daughter said it would be foolish toward night the horse disappeared and during the night the snake camp also disappeared going over there the mother and daughter found the dead bodies of servant and master war resulted in which many cayuses lost their lives including some of their chiefs we saw them come home from their war raids and heard and saw them singing war songs dancing their war dances and then they would change to a funeral dirge for their dead warriors after a successful raid they would spend days in celebrating their victory and reciting the prowess of their own warriors the beating of drums and their war whoops and songs filled the air with savage sounds the monotonous tones of the indian flute mellowed the horrors of the din a little one sunday morning in the autumn of eighteen forty five two men arrived at the station one of them andrew rogers was a young man of about twenty-five tall and slender sandy hair and sallow look that betokened ill health he sang hymns and played the violin so the seceders to which church he belonged turned him out his gentlemanly appearance and intelligence won the admiration of dr and mrs whitman he came to procure room and care for a friend who was ill with consumption he succeeded in this and was also engaged to teach school the ensuing winter going to umatilla he soon returned with his friend joseph finley who took board with the family of mr osborne his relative he had made the journey to oregon hoping for improved health for a while he improved and seemed stronger dr and mrs whitman became much attached to him he was one day taken worse when at their house and never left it they made him comfortable and attended to him as if he were a son or brother he died very happy bidding all good-bye and thanking his friends for all their care of him all gathered round the deathbed, and the scene was very impressive as he gave his last farewell to all around him about this time the station had a visit from a band of delaware indians under the leadership of tom hill who was very intelligent and could speak english as well as cayuse dr whitman made a feast for them and invited the leading cayuses and others the indispensable item of an indian feast was corn mush 
a large kettle was suspended over a fire in the yard and the mush was made by putting in tallow and stirring in meal or flour when cooked the kettle was taken indoors and placed on the floor the doctor was master of ceremonies and the rest came in order of rank the doctor and the chiefs dipped their spoons in the big kettle but common people had dishes served and ate out of them some acted as waiters they had tea sweetened we children were looking on and it amused us to see what a quantity of sugar they used all that the tea could hold it was evening and the family occupied a bench on one side of the big room which was crowded it was well lighted with candles and they ate in silence except the sipping noise peculiar to indians eating their performances at the trencher were so amusing to us that occasionally mrs whitman had to send us outdoors to have our laugh out when the feast was over the room was cleared and put in order for the speech tom hill delivered an address that lasted two hours and was quite eloquent we could understand the cayuse talk but the indians did not know it we were not allowed to learn it and kept as much as possible away from the indians but constantly hearing the language spoken we could not help but learning the meaning of it though we could not speak it well after the massacre they soon found out that we understood their talk mrs whitman always treated them politely and kindly thanking them for every little favor they did her the next spring mr rogers was away much of the time at the spokane mission conducted by messrs walker and eels dr whitman was absent at the sawmill or breaking up land for the indians and plotting in their crops mrs whitman and the girls spent the time at home and found enough to employ them to prevent feeling lonesome we studied botany with her and rambled over the country in search of flowers and plants a bad man was named tamahas meaning murderer as he had once killed a man one day the doctor was at work in his field when this man rode up and ordered him peremptorily to go and grind a grist for him when the doctor objected to his talking and acting so he said he would grind it for himself and started for the mill the doctor could walk across sooner and did so tomahas came at him there with a club but saw an iron bar in his hand they had a serious time of it both with words and blows but the iron bar was a full match for the club and tamahas finally agreed to behave himself and have his grist ground exhausted in body and mind the doctor came to the house and threw himself down saying that if they would only say so he would gladly leave for he was tired almost beyond endurance it is hardly possible to conceive of a greater change than dr whitman had worked in the life of the cayuses they had now growing fields could have good homes a mill to grind their meal and they were taught things of the greatest use yet some of them could not realize that he was unselfish in all this the following winter was very cold the coldest ever known in the country and the indians charged the whites with bringing the cold weather upon them old jimmy a catholic indian claimed the power of working miracles 
and said he brought the cold upon them to punish them for their unbelief and wickedness they paid him liberally to bring about a change and finally a thaw did come and he claimed all the merit of it the doctor made his fall visit to the valley bringing back something for each one of us he always remembered the children when he went to the valley and brought us all some token of his love he piloted the immigrants by a nearer and better route to the dalles and learned with apprehension that the last of the train were afflicted with measles and whooping cough he knew they would spread through the native camps and feared the consequences none of his own family had had the measles and but few of the others this fall brother john had his horse saddled to return to the dalles to reside but at mr whitman's earnest request he consented to remain had he gone there he might now be living laying aside his gun he now devoted himself to his studies he rose early at four o'clock and wrote but i never knew what he wrote about as the papers were all destroyed after the massacre the measles were among the natives and in the doctor's absence mrs whitman was their physician all arrangements were made for the winter teachers were employed and all things were in order the emigration had brought a canadian half-breed named joe lewis who was so disagreeable that they refused to let him travel farther in their company dr whitman reluctantly gave him some work he tried to send him below with the company but in a few days he was back again so the doctor reluctantly engaged him for the winter he was destitute of clothes and was supplied we all disliked him but he was well used and kindly treated yet this wretch laid the careful plans and told the terrible lies that led to the massacre and took an active part in murder and robbery End of chapter one section two